Hello everyone, this is Katie Jason, owner of the Better Humans Project, and today I might just ramble a little bit about some thoughts that I've been having recently. I do apologize for not getting a podcast out lately. I've just had quite a bit going on. I will be moving to Tampa in about a month, so at the end of December 2021, Tampa, Florida, and in my schooling right now some of you may or may not know i have been working towards a diploma to become a natural health practitioner and so to clarify i'm not going to be a nutritionist or a dietitian with that so i won't be just giving you a number of calories that you need to eat in a day i will be doing much more interesting stuff than that no offense to dietitians and nutritionists out there but i do not believe that calories in equals calories out i think that that's just totally bogus and uh, so some of the things that I'll be able to do are analyze your nails your skin your tongue your eyes like the iris or the white parts of your eyes to see if there's any organ dysfunction or vitamin and mineral deficiencies anything like that there's also a few other things that might indicate um, candida albicans overgrowth which is the yeast overgrowth that i've talked about in other podcasts of mine um, which is also quite rampant um, <clears throat> just all lots of different assessments and stuff but what i've been studying in particular for the past few months which is why i've not really put out any podcasts because the the course that i'm studying medical herbalism or more specifically clinical botanical medicine has me studying a lot more of like organic chemistry and the structures and functions of chemicals and their molecular structures, how they fit together and compounds that they make, which is fascinating to me. I absolutely love it, but maybe it's not the most interesting, you know, um, generally speaking, you know, there's the three categories of your macronutrients, which most people know are protein, fat, and carbs. But then most people don't know, really know about the, uh, the micronutrients or more specifically called secondary metabolites. And those are the categories that I had touched on in a previous podcast that was titled anti-nutrients. And that's kind of this category of where they come from. These are the secondary metabolites. They are terpenes, phenolics, and why am I now having a brain cramp on the other one, phenolic, terpene, and it'll come to me. Um, but anyways, you get from like the terpene category, you get all of your INE things like cocaine, caffeine, nicotine, morphine, uh, dopamine type, uh, you know, excitatory dopamine type stuff. That's kind of where the, that comes from, the terpenes. Um, you also get your carotenoids and carotenes. So these are from, you know, carrots and your colorful fruits and vegetables that come from that category. You have your phenols, which uh, a lot of those are just generally speaking in fruits, lots of fruits and vegetables. They're, basi they're basically like antioxidants. And I know I've touched on what an antioxidant is before, but basically an antioxidant is a compound that has estrogen hydrogen ions so that they travel through the bloodstream looking for those 
those unstable oxygen molecules that are just free-floating and those unstable oxygen molecules when they hit a cell they're going to try to steal uh, electrons and then will do damage to that cell so these antioxidants travel around looking for those scavenging for those and they kind of um, create a bond with them so it's a little bit more stable so that's kind of where your your um, phenolic compounds like polyphenols and all sorts of other things come from um, and then I still, for some reason, can't think of the <laughs> third category, but oh well. Um, so long story short, that's where my head's been. I've just been doing a lot of studying for that, as well as the Latin binomial names of certain herbs, how to use these herbs to heal. So for example, using um, peppermint tea which, you know, Latin name mentha times pepperita is actually a hybrid of two plants, but <clears throat> medicinally speaking, the peppermint is actually considered a carminative, and that helps your digestive system. It also helps to specifically relieve gas and um, bloating, anything like that. So a lot of this has been how to how to find this herb, how to cultivate it, how to use it, whether you make a tincture or decoction. If you make it as a tea, you know, how long do you boil it? Because depending on the tea, if it's if it's a very rooty tea, if it's if it's a root seed or bark, you actually need to boil it for about 10 to 15 minutes. And that's going to extract most of these secondary metabolites and, and a lot of these medicinal properties. Um, other things, just learning how to apply them if you need to use it topically, what they do, whether it's an astringent, an analgesic, a carminative, or an anthelmintic, which an anthelmintic is actually how to um, expel parasitic worms. So it's been pretty interesting, but um, changing the topic slightly so the school that i'm going to is new eden school of natural health which is a christian-based school so i've also been able to start looking at health and nutrition from a biblical aspect which has been quite interesting and i've i guess i've never heard of that i've, I've never been exposed to somebody talking about health and wellness from a from a biblical perspective so looking at it you know it's brought up a lot of different topics as far as fasting i mean there's many physiological benefits to fasting just in the sense of like weight loss and hormone uh you know balancing your hormones and metabolism all sorts of really awesome physiological things that if you would like to know more information, you can certainly look up uh, lots of um, great people like Dr. James D. Nicolantonio, I think is his name, uh, Dr. Jason Fung, um, Mike Mutzel, he's on Instagram, I believe his handle is at Metabolic Mike. He knows a lot of information. He'll really get into a lot of the science. So if that's something that, that interests you. But generally speaking, you know, in the, in the sense of like weight loss, um, 
fasting, doing water fasts are really awesome because the the water fast will actually cause your body to start breaking down connective tissue to use as fuel. And so that's one of the the issues that people have when they lose a lot of weight very fast. They have a lot of that extra skin. And when you do water fasts, your body will actually use up that skin and that connective tissue because fat tissue is connective tissue mostly. So that's one of the benefits. But also if there's ever um, a serious illness or a disease or uh, something like that, when you do these water fasts, you're causing your body to, well, number one, you're basically giving your body a break and you're, you, you cause what's called autophagy and that's where your body starts killing off cells. But I know it sounds bad, but it's, it's actually, it's going to kill off a lot of these old dysfunctional cells so that new cells can come forth and start functioning properly. And I mean, when you really think about it, eating th- at least three times a day is kind of, it's not, a, it's not a lot in the sense that it's overconsumption. I mean, three times a day is pretty normal, but, um, you know, if we, if we almost kind of compared it to exercise, you know, we exercise once a, once a day, and then we get rest. So if we're eating three times a day, but the only rest that we get is while we're sleeping, there's still always some food in us being digested at some point. And so to be able to take a day or two of just water, that helps to get everything out of your digestive system. And you have to think about it in the, in the way that, you know, transit time is somewhere between 18 and 36 hours. Those are obviously the extreme, you know, the the average is probably around 24 hours. And by transit time, I mean the time that you take in a food versus the time that you expel it. And so to be able to do a water fast for two to three days, that's going to make sure that you can really get everything out. Now, a lot of people who do these water fasts say that they're very clear-headed, at first, you do get very lightheaded. There's all sorts of metabolic and hormonal changes that start occurring. So if you ever do a water fast, I would suggest trying it, trying it just for 24 hours first and, and kind of building your way up. Of course, you know, uh, as a professional, I have to always make the disclaimer that if you want to do a longer water fast, you should have a professional um, alongside you and giving you the information that you need and monitoring you. But um, so there's lots of physiological benefits to um, doing fasting. But like I said, taking a look at it from a biblical perspective, you know, fasting has so many amazing benefits for our spirit. And as I've experienced with fasting i've i've tried different fasts so i have done food fasts i've done maybe very specific ones where i just cut out specific foods but i've also done other fasts in a sense that i would just cut something out of my life um you know maybe 
one time, um, there's been a few times where I just did a, like a vow of silence. So I just didn't speak for a day. And that brought me so much peace. And it's interesting because it's almost like we don't realize how much noise we make, or at least me. And to be able to quiet that and try to communicate with somebody in a different way other than our words was quite a challenge. But I felt so much peace when I was the quietest because then it was like I only communicated what I felt was really, truly necessary to communicate. And then it makes you question what is truly important to communicate. So it's very interesting altogether. But there's this other aspect when we fast that, you know, we we really, you know, actually it was Jordan Peterson who, who had said this and it really kind of stuck out to me that as a society, we rarely have something that we we formally dedicate or, or, or make a formal commitment to something and, and cause our behavior to match up to it. So almost like, you know, a New Year's resolution, you say you're going to go to the gym and sure, maybe you go and buy that membership. That is a formal commitment, but you know, how long are you going to stay with it? And so those are really good things to do, but when it comes to fasting, fasting is a little bit more extreme. It's it's sort of like I'm very serious about something and and I want to make I almost it's it's almost like you're holding yourself to the utmost accountability. Another aspect which I think I appreciate this one the most is thinking about sacrificing the now for the future. And that's really been something I've been thinking about a lot. Giving up now for the future, whether it's giving up one minute right now for one minute in the future or giving up one hour right now for one hour in the future. But of course, you can always stretch that time. And so as a mother, you know, and if you're a parent, you you probably understand that you're now sacrificing your time now for your child's future, right? So now it's like you've sacrificed a generation for the next generation. And we see that a lot in the Bible, especially with Abraham. I think he's probably one of the one of the greatest um, you know stories to to portray this that he didn't see the promise. He knew that it was going to happen. He knew that his descendants were going to be as numerous as the sand on the on the beach, but he never actually got to see it. And he sacrificed and gave up his life at that time for all future generations, which is really something when you think about it. Because we all want that satisfaction of seeing the, the product of our work and of our sacrifice. So it's really something to go without it, go without that satisfaction, but to just know that it will happen.
One other aspect about fasting I'd like to mention is when you can't eat something, you think about it all the time. (laughs) I mean, really, like if I was like, you know, I can't eat chocolate for six weeks, then that's all I want for six weeks is chocolate, you know. It wouldn't have been that hard if I didn't say that. But each time you think about it, you realize you're you're brought back to, well, why? Why can I not have this? And you're brought back to that, to that dedication, that commitment that we talked about. But bringing yourself back to that recommits you to God, to the Lord, and and to have him as your strength, right? And to and to say, no, I don't want that. I want you, right? I am willing to sacrifice this for what you have for me, even, even if it's just to have his peace, even if it's just to have his joy or whatever it may be. So that's just one topic of... <laughs> Thinking about health and nutrition from a biblical perspective, another one that I've been thinking a lot about is these foods lately that we've been condemning as a society. And I know in the past that I have, I'm, you know, I'm kind of guilty of condemning these foods, wheat and dairy. But I've had to rethink a lot of this because in the Bible it says that they were brought to the land of milk and honey. And in fact, milk and honey is repeated quite a few times in the Bible and it was and it's it's always in a it's it's a picture of abundance and a picture of amazing provision from God, right? Like milk and honey doesn't get any better than that so you know and and speaking of honey it's like that's another thing that we've been condemning as a society is sugar so i'd actually i'd say it probably is those three things the wheat the milk and the malt dairy and honey sugar so i i thought you know, this dairy thing, they had done studies. Uh, I think it's called like the blue zone diet or something. But they, they've done studies on these blue zones in the world. And these blue zones in the world are areas where there's there's concentrations of people who live to 100 or greater. And so they study their diet and they see how they live and what they eat. And now, of course, different areas in the world, they, they don't have access to the same natural foods but there are some similarities in that they always exercised in a sense that they moved around all day, every day. They didn't drive necessarily. They walked everywhere. They were constantly up and down stairs or up and down hills, and they were constantly foraging their land, or they were farmers, or they, you know, whatever it was that they were, they were working and, you know, our one hour a day for fitness is pretty much like a made-up thing. Like, we work out one hour a day to make up for all the other hours that we're not working out. And so that was one factor. Another factor was that they ate fresh every day. 
they ate fresh. Fruits, vegetables, meat. Now, some areas they didn't eat meat because it just wasn't really available. But no matter what, it was always fresh. Now, some of the other areas, they ate a lot of dairy, or still do. But here's the thing. Because in America, we have all of these studies that are very convincing that dairy is actually causing your bones to be more brittle and causing a lot of digestive issues and all allergic reactions and it's just list the list goes on but the difference is that in these other countries they're they're consuming this dairy raw and what i mean by that is it's straight from the animal into their cup or or they immediately like turn it into butter or cream or cheese or whatever so it has all of the natural bacteria and enzymes in it. And that's so important. And I've talked about that plenty of times, how important it is to eat food that's alive. But in America, we pasteurize all of our dairy. So we're, we end up with just a dead product, a dead product of a little protein and some fat and water. So... You know, back in biblical times, of course they're not they're not pasteurizing their their dairy. Their dairy was raw. It was alive. It was good for them. Same thing with the honey. The honey was alive and raw. It was not cooked or pasteurized or, you know, filtered um, to the point of having nothing good in it. And then when it comes to grains. The interesting thing about grains, and I touched on this in my other podcast, the anti-nutrient podcast, was that over the course of time, because we have been mass producing certain crops, they have in and of themselves started creating a lot more of their own toxins to prevent us from eating them because we've just grown them so much. And... So it's like, you know, in the Bible, when they, when they had wheat and oats and barley and, you know, all these other grains, like, they weren't overproduced to the point that we have today. And in fact, there was periods where maybe the land didn't produce anything at all. It's almost like the, the land had a rest. It, the land got to fast. The land got to clean itself out and then be rejuvenated. So, and I almost wonder, but I don't want to speculate too much on this, but of course, you know, if you, if you know your Bible and, and it talks about um, in Matthew, I believe, and in Revelation with the end of the, the, end of the world, right? We're going to have various diseases and, and natural disasters and pestilences. So, you know, I almost wonder if, a form of pestilence is going to be where our food kind of turns its back on us. I mean, it's not really like, I don't really want to phrase it like that, but in a sense, we have abused our food so much that it's built up so much resistance to us, right? It hasn't necessarily built up resistance to... um, to the pesticides that we spray on it, but just in general, because we've just overproduced it. Now, yes, they have built a persistence to the pesticides and herbicides and all the other stuff, but that's a whole other topic. 
So, yeah, I just think that maybe if we ate our dairy raw, 100% raw, and our honey, 100% raw, and, and maybe if, if our only sugar source was honey instead of all of these different modified sugars, and maybe if the grains that we ate were not overproduced and they were from strains, from ancient strains that haven't built up a lot of those anti-nutrients in them, maybe we'd be in a better place. But, yeah, we would be, I do think we would be in a better place. Now, of course, there's a lot of other factors. We're very stressed. We're very polluted <laughs> with electromagnetic radiation, which I know sounds kooky, but it really is real. Go ahead, look up the research on PubMed or wherever you want to look. There's tons of tons of um, researchers out there that talk about you know type three diabetes now because of the electromagnetic radiation. And there's some legislation out there to prevent five G towers from going up around their house because the the um, radiation that's coming off of it is frying people's organs and causing hormonal dysfunction. So, anyway, so. Um, yeah, that's, that's like a whole other topic about how polluted, um, our air and water is and all sorts of things. And there's like a fact, I, I don't know how, I don't know how true it is, but I, I have heard that we consume about a credit card's worth of plastic each week. But I guess when you think about it, yeah, we really do use plastic for a lot, so... If that's something you haven't done already is start switching everything over to glass, um, I would highly recommend <laughs> doing that. All your, your Tupperware, um, even your cookware has like that Teflon stuff on it that, uh, you know, all of it, all of it comes off in tiny little, tiny little bits of chemicals. But nonetheless, a virus is a very, very, very small little, it's not even a, it's not even a chemical. It's like, I forget how you it's not even a bacteria it's not even a cell it's just like a fragment of something and it's so small but it enters your body and it can wreak havoc so I don't know why everybody just is in denial about well well the food coloring is not that bad you know because it's like so small and has no effect on me and all these salt deviations and sugar deviations and pesticides and herbicides and all these things oh, it's so small you know it's so small it's, it's not really doing that much damage but yeah if a virus a tiny little piece of a fragment can do that much damage to your body yeah you know you might want to think again <laughs> anyways um so yeah that's pretty much me just rambling i can't think of any well no yeah i can think of lots of other topics to talk about that are health and wellness from a biblical perspective. Again, the Bible talks a lot about herbs and um, I think I've talked about one where it talks about wine and vinegar and how to use that for health. But these are just some of my thoughts and I thought that I would share them with you and at least just get a podcast out. Once again, I am sorry for all of you faithful listeners. You've been eagerly waiting, and I appreciate that. If you enjoyed this, 
I thank you for listening and hopefully I will have some more soon. As always, it's been a pleasure. This is Katie Jason, owner of the Better Humans Project.